You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. Good Friday morning to everybody. This is your Chancellor. Please sit back, put on your seatbelts, put in your headphones, listen to music while we watch the porno together. Coming to you live from Vegas. No, there's no porno. I'm not even a porno fan, but if I was... It would be Vegas porn. No, actually, it would probably be Japanese porn. I don't know. But listen. Hi, how are you? This is a quick pit basketball podcast. I wanted to hit on two quick subjects. Very short, small, and petite subjects. Um, Tiny. Some might even call them shrunken subjects. Uh, One of them I wanted to address the talent level of this pit basketball team. You know, I've heard at various times during the year, people compare this team to the last team that made the NCAA tournaments in 2016. And I want to do, with all due respect to that team, Lamar Patterson and so on. I, I, I really threw up in my mouth a couple of times. There's no comparison. And I'm not going to present you with stats. I'm not going to go player to player because honestly... When you have a team that doesn't have one major scorer and has a number of players that contribute, as the 2016 team does, did, as this team does, did, dude, dud, dibbed, I. Um, if you have that kind of team, all the stats are going to be similar across the board, and you can match up player to player, and they can look like they're the same player by stats. So it's, it's not going to really get to the crux of the issue, which is talent level. And I'm telling you as somebody, this is just my opinion, of course, but you better believe it or I'm coming for you, okay? And I'm bringing a sickle. But um, the team is more talented than that team. This, this is a very talented team. In fact, this is a more talented team than the last time we were a number one seed in the NCAA tournament with the likes of Gary McGee and Brad Wanamaker and Ashton Gibbs and Nazir Robinson, you know, all of those players uh, overperformed and that entire season was a bit of a fluke and a shock and amazing. And although they certainly fit the bill for a number one seed, we all knew, we all knew here, watching them every day, that they was not a number one seed. And they lost in the first round of the Big East tournament and they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament, and frankly, kind of felt like, yeah, that's what we thought. Uh, they were a good team, a really good team, and the, but that's all they were. They weren't really a talented team. And frankly, uh, Jamie Dixon, it was time for him to go when he went. If you look, it looks like, wow, he was doing still quite good at the end there. But the thing is, a couple of those seasons, like the CBI season, that win total – that's six wins tacked on in the CBI. Then there's an NIT championship season. That win total, come on, he won the NIT. And even the seasons where he got us to the NCAAs, he lost in the early rounds in his final years too soon. And that was unfortunately, it ended up being Jamie Dixon's modus operandi even at Pitt. Uh, throughout all of his years in Toto but especially during his final years, which is always losing to the inferior team, never getting you to that game 
where, okay, we can lose now because we're playing a better team, a higher seed. It's expected we might lose. He always lost the game right before that where you were not expected to lose, where you were expected to win. And the knock on him and his teams always was, well, we can't get that one really talented NBA-level player at Pitt. Can't get that type of talent um, to Pitt. But obviously that wasn't the case with the 2009 team where we had Sam Young and Dewan Blair, two NBA players. And that was talent. It was very immense talent. And even then, we lost in the Elite Eight to a less talented but, but very good Villanova team. But I'm, in terms of talent level, in my opinion... Uh, and I'm someone who's watched pit basketball and carefully and closely, game in and game out, and if not watching, then listening on the radio years ago. From 1980 to the present day, never missing a season. Um, this is the third most talented team in pit basketball history during that 43-year time frame. Um, I think the only two teams that I would have to give the tip of the cap to as being more talented would be the 2009 team because not only did they, uh, I mean, they, they had just the three. They really just had the big three. They really didn't have a lot of talent beyond them, I didn't think. I mean, you had some guys that you, like Ashton Gibbs as a freshman and stuff, but they weren't really contributing much that year. Um, that really was almost a th- almost exclusively a three man team, but what a what a what a three man team with Sam Young and Dwan Blair and Levance Fields. I mean, it's just really good talent and really good you know really good effort. And Levance fed the ball to all the other guys as well, Brown and and so forth. You know, he he had a good he was his his assists were a giant part of his game. So spreading the ball, moving the ball, passing the ball was big. You had Young could hit the three, could drive in as well. Of course, the inside game of Dewan Blair, the rebounding. Uh, and Levance could, could pop a three in a key circumstance. And uh, just a tough player, just very tough player. So I think, yeah, the level of talent on that team surpasses the current team. Uh, we don't have any players. Not one of our players, in my opinion, is as good as Dewan Blair or Sam Young. I do think Nellie Cummings is close to LeVance Fields' uh, level of talent. Um, and I think that uh, all the remaining members of the team surpass any of the talent of any of the players uh, that were otherwise on that 2009 team. So it's, 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 a, close, uh, it's a close battle between that team and this team in t- terms of all-around all talent, in my opinion. But... You just can't match, you know, Blair and Young. And then the other team that's more talented than this team is the uh, the 80s team. I think it was 86. I'm trying to remember the year. But with, with uh, Smith and Lane and Gore and the year we had the freshmen as well with, with Jason Matthews and Sean Miller and Darrell Porter and Bobby Martin. So... That team, those freshmen really contributed. Those freshmen, 
I mean, Miller was the point guard. Um, the send-in in Jerome year. Um, that team is the most talented team of my lifetime of pit hoops, I think. Well, I can't say my lifetime because I don't know. There's some great pit players. I was born in 66. I have to go dig out the book and see some of the players that played for them in the late 60s and 70s. But uh, I would say that since I've been watching and following them, like I said, since 1980, that's the most talented pit basketball team in all that time frame. The 86, I think it was, 85, 86, I'm not sure. might be 86, 87. Whichever year included those freshmen and had still Smith, Laning, Gore. That was, uh, I don't know that we'll ever have a team that talented again, frankly. Um, but this team is third, in my opinion. And, and I don't need to go over all the players as to why, but when you have six men uh, contributing the way we do, and then even the bench talent of the Twins, and even Santos to some degree. Um, Santos is very comparable to some of the guys that were on that 2009 team, for example, that were not the, you know, the stars. Um, but I just think the, the group of six, the starting five and Nike Sabandi, uh, they just have a lot of skills. Uh, Sabandi in a lot of ways reminds me of Darrell Porter and, uh, Greg, uh, uh, Greg, uh, why am I forgetting his name right now? Uh, <laughs> oh, this is a brain freeze in the middle of the morning. I'm, I'm thinking of Greg Lloyd, Greg Matthews, the Greg Matthews band. Um, all these names are coming to mind, except Greg Allen for some reason. Like, like isn't he a singer of some kind? But what I was going to say is this, this, this Greg guy, see, this is terrible. This is going to be, I'll be going to the doctors next week, making an appointment for early onset uh, Alzheimer's. But Greg, Greg, he's my favorite player, and I don't remember his name now. Come on, you know. Just fill in the blanks for me. The best three-pointer on the team, 42% three-point shooter. I see his face. Oh, this is really sad. There's no, there's no way to even make a joke about this. I literally feel like I have to, when I finish making this podcast, check into a hospital for uh, early onset dementia. Anyway, he, he is as good as a Jason Matthews to me, uh, he, or, or similar, let's say. I'd put him on a par with that level of talent. So I'm going back with Porter and Matthews already to the, to the 80s team with those two players. Uh, like I said, I would comp uh, Nellie Cummings to LaVance Fields. And then that leaves you with the two best players on the team, really, Henson and Burton, and who would I comp those two? Two. Two, two. Um, I know it's ridiculous to say, but I kind of sort of would slightly comp Henson to Sam Young. I also, uh, hmm, yeah, that's about it. I'm trying to think of, I was trying to think of another player, but I think that's the closest I could come with him. And Burton, maybe Ricardo Greer. For Burton, if you remember him in the early, what was that, the early 2000s? That was at the beginning. I think his senior year was was Howland's first year. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of someone else. I'm, I'm, I was going to say Brian Shorter, but he's not Brian Shorter. Shorter was way stronger. 
underneath in his rebounding game and his layup game, you know, than Burton is. Uh, Burton's way more of a, a shooter, a short-range shooter than shorter. But um, there's a lot, those are good players, right? I mean, Greer was a good player. And um, Sam Young-ish hints, and he's not as good as Sam Young, but he's, you know, he's in that ballpark to me. Um, can do it all, you know, type of guy that can do some rebounding, do some passing, take uh, different range jump shots, can hit the three, uh, and is definitely, you know, one of the best players on the team like Sam Young was. Um, scorer, you know, scoring person. Um, so I think we have in those guys some talent, and I think with the Twins, the Diaz-Graham Twins, we have people that you could compare to maybe freshman year Bobby Martin on that 80s team. In ways, um, maybe even uh, uh, was it Kem Birch? Now he he left us halfway through a season, but they're, they're similar to him in his freshman year. I think uh, I think they're they're talented. You know, they have skill, and uh, so overall, I I just think their this talent level is high. Now, will any of these pit players on this current team? Greg Elliott. Why did I hold it? Why, it just came to me. I don't know why I forgot Elliott. That is so scary and frightening. Maybe I was thinking of Elliott Smith and, and like he was stabbed to death, whether he did it himself or was murdered. It's still a mystery. Maybe I sort of stabbed myself in the brain, like an Elliott Smith stab in the brain to make me forget about Greg Elliott being his last name. I don't know. Strange. But I think that the team talent is very high. And something that we should, all of us, masturbate to. No, we shouldn't masturbate. It's wrong. It's wrong. Sister Marie Antoinette told me that. I didn't go to Catholic school. But whatever. It's not okay to masturbate, everyone. Just understand that. It's very, very wrong. Slap your hand. No, no. Anyway, uh, I think we should be happy with the talent on this team. I think we should acknowledge it. Uh, in our sleep, I think we should toss and turn. Oh, oh my God! They're good. oh the talent. Oh, they're so good. As we sleep at night, we should it should haunt us. The level of talent, and I think although we probably don't have a single player that is going to make it in the NBA, probably none of these guys will be playing for an NBA team. Um, that doesn't mean that they're not really really good players, and they comp to people who did make it to the NBA sometimes in ways, and others not. But I mean, it's a hell of a batch of people. And I, I consider it the third most talented team of all time since 1980 with Pitt. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention in this podcast quickly, I'll try to make this faster. That was slower. I had to waste so much time trying to remember Greg Elliott's last name. I'm so sorry for all of that. Please forgive me. But the, the other thing I want to mention is I heard somebody, I won't name him by name this time because it sounds like I'm piling on. I'm always picking on the guy. But I was listening to a podcast this morning and I heard – some guy who does pit stuff saying that we need to root for Florida State to beat Miami this weekend. Now, let me explain something to you. The ACC doesn't recognize a regular season champion. They haven't since 1961 or 62. You get nothing for it. They don't even crown you. That's why there's no tiebreaker to say you're the regular season champion. The tiebreakers are only for the seeding in the tournament. The only champion they recognize is the tournament winner. So what does that mean? It means, I don't know, why we care if we even win it. We want a bye in a, in a top four for sure uh, because who the hell wants to play more games? But if you look at the way they break it down, the number one seed in this tournament 
it it gets certain at what eight nine eight and nine play each other and the and the winner goes and plays number one period they 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 don't reseed they don't play the first two rounds then reseed so that the number one seed plays the worst team left that's what they should do with all these fucking teams you know and so much dregs at the bottom so it could come down that if you're the second third or fourth seed you could end up playing a really crappy team your first game where Pitt, if they're the number one seed, they'll be playing the eight or nine seed, not a really crappy team, guaranteed. So it could very well turn out that a team seated below us has an easier first game than us. And that's ridiculous to me. That's absurd and unfair. But they don't, they don't recede it. So my point is, I don't think when you look at the way things break down, they've, they've, done, a sev- they've done several, if the season ended today, charts on the seeding. Um, and frankly, <coughs> excuse me, I apologize. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Um, de- depending on who's in front and when and all this stuff, it's an ever-changing list. Sometimes I like the third seed better. Sometimes I like the fourth seed better. Sometimes the one seed looks better. It depends. Sometimes the second seed. So I don't think it's really going to matter, and I think the way it all shakes out, we could end up having a better draw and an easier run in any of those four seats, just so we get a buy. So my point is, I don't think we – do we want to finish first? I don't think it's going to matter to our seating. Here's what I'm getting at. What Pitt should be focused on right now is, is – I think they want to win the ACC tournament. That's fun. That's exciting, and that'll get some prominence. Uh, that'll be good. But I think the regular season ACC – I don't think it's going to matter. As long as we get one of those buys, I don't think how we finish is going to do a damn thing for this team in the end. Because I think our focus should be the NCAA tournament. And I think our focus should be seeding in the NCAA tournament. And we have a very specific goal to focus on here. And that is not being eight or nine. Why? Because the eight or nine seed, when you, if you win that game, you have the wonderful pleasure of playing to get to the Sweet 16, your second game right away, a number one seed. And I look at the NCAA, uh, I look at the league this year, and I'm not really very impressed with the two, three, four seeds. I'm not really impressed with the top 20 other than the top, say, handful of teams. I don't want to play Alabama. Uh, I don't want to play Purdue, even though they're struggling a little bit right now. Um, those two, to me, have the talent level that surpasses any of the other teams. But I also don't want to play Houston because they're hot right now. You know, I'm not really anxious. Although I think they might be a team that could be, they could be in for an upset, that team. But, yeah, I, 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 I just feel like there's a uh, – I feel like Pitt would be screwed if they were an eight or nine seed. And they would probably get Alabama or something in that and they would have to play them in their second game. After all they've done this year, and as much as the net and everything else has shit on them and really has not recognized them as good as they should be recognized, to get that would be wouldn't that just be perfect, right? That would that would seem like that's what will happen. And so I think what Pitt needs to be doing is focusing on getting higher seating. Or lower, drop down to a ten. Lenardi has them as a ten right now. That would probably be better. Because then you play the seven seed, and then you play the two seed, right? So at least you're not playing the one seed. So I, I'd rather be a 10 and play a two than an, a nine or eight and play a one. But I would rather be a seven, frankly, and play a 10 in the first game as well. 
And uh, I think, and of course, I'd really like to be a six. And I think six is still within Pitt's range. I think that's about as high as this terrible seeding system is going to give them, unfortunately. I think if they win out and win the tournament, they'd still probably only be a six seed because that's how awful the seeding system is with this net usage and all that. But um, I think the, the focus should be on getting a higher seed. And I don't think whether or not Pitt wins the regular season that isn't even recognized by the ACC has any bearing on the seeding at all. So I don't think Pitt needs to be rooting for Miami to lose or Virginia to lose in the regular season. It might be fun to finish on top, but here's what won't be fun. Okay, in order to get higher seeing in the NCAA tournament, we know a couple things. We know the, the committee looks at the net, uh, clearly, because we dropped, we dropped three after beating Virginia Te- uh, Georgia Tech, and Lenardi dropped us to a 10 seed last four buys. We are now just four teams away from having to play a play-in game again with Lenardi. I mean, we're 20 and eight. We didn't drop when we, when we, beat, when we lost to Virginia Tech, but we dropped when we beat Georgia Tech. Isn't that insane? But that's the wonderful, terrible, awful system. Go listen to my last podcast on the net and the ridiculousness of it all. But don't, they are listening to the net. Everyone's a liar who says they aren't. You are going to be seated according to that to some degree. It would behoove Pitt to, to get their net up. But, but that aside, what's really going to help Pitt with their seating to the committee is their quad one wins. The best strength that Pitt has going for it they can look at their net and say, not very good. They can look at that quad one loss to Florida State, not very good. They can see that maybe that loss to, to Clemson, if that drops down to a quad three loss, that's going to hurt Pitt, see. Right now, it's a quad. It's back to a quad two loss, that loss to Clemson at home, because their net rose when they beat Syracuse to 75. But if it goes to 76, that'll be back to a quad three loss. And also Miami. And also Virginia. Virginia's net dropped to 21 now. We don't want it to drop much further. 30 is the cutoff line for a home win to get a quad one win out of it. We beat Virginia at home. If their net goes above 30, we lose a quad one win. And with Miami, same thing. Their net currently is 27. It just recently was 31. We just recently earned back a quad one win when they beat Virginia Tech in Virginia Tech and dropped their net to 27. So what I'm saying to you is don't listen to the people out there saying you should be rooting for Florida State to beat Miami this weekend. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Why? Because way more important to Pitt is their resume with quad one wins for seeding in the tournament than some meaningless, whether they finish first in a meaningless uh, ACC regular season, okay? Plus, plus, Pitt's playing Miami in Miami. Who cares if Miami loses to Florida State? We can, we can take care of business on our own. We have a game against them. We can knock them off, and we will then have a better record than them, and we'll have swept them twice. You know, we'll beat them twice and swept them. We'll have it over them. So we don't need them to lose. And here's the reason, main reason we don't need them to lose. We don't want them to lose. We need to be rooting for them to beat Florida State is if they lose to Florida State, it will greatly damage their net. There is no question, no question, if they lose that game this weekend, Miami, their net will go above 30. 
And what does that mean? It means we will lose our quad one win over them at home. Also, it's not out of the question then. If we go in there and beat them, okay, we will get a quad one win because you get up to 75 net. We will get a quad one win if we beat them the next week. But if we lose to them the next week, now we've just lost a quad one win and we haven't gained one back. And now instead of five quad one one wins, Pitt will end the season with four and then whatever they might do in the tournament. But they would have four, that's it. And here's how we could get six, okay? How do we get six? We can get six easy. We have five right now. If you listen to these people that say root for Florida State, we could end the season easily with four. And and so the committee will look at that and it will hurt us. Again, this is our biggest strength. Pitt doesn't have a lot going for it in terms of its resume, unfortunately. The metrics are not on Pitt's side. But the one that is, is quad one wins. There there were only, as of the other day, Tuesday, um, there were only uh, 15 teams in all of basketball who had more than Pitt's five quad one wins. Additionally, there were only 24 teams total, including Pitt, that had five or more quad one wins. So Pitt was in the top 25 of quad one wins on Tuesday. And there were only 15 teams with more than that. So it's an elite stat. It's a good stat for Pitt. It's a stat that is really going to help us in our seeding. And we need to keep it good, okay? So you don't root for Florida State to beat Miami because that's going to take, a, that's guaranteed to take a quad one win away from us. And if we win, we'll get it back, but then we'll still only have five if we beat Miami, I mean, the next week. But if we lose, we'll end up with four quad one wins going into the ACC tournament. And here's a way we can get six. They beat Florida State, okay? So they solidify their 27. We want them to cream Florida State. Why? Because as I made clear on my uh, podcast on the net I made yesterday, scoring margin is a big deal. It matters a lot to the net. So if they blow out Florida State, let's say by 30, Miami's net is bound to go down even more than 27. And why does that matter? Because if the next week we beat them, their net might go up a little. Now, granted, it would be a uh, quad two loss for them at home because Pitt's uh, net is in the 50s and may drop to the 40s. Um, And if they're at home, uh, the quad for home losses that stays in the two range is 75, 75. So a quad two loss at home from Miami to Pitt probably won't damage their net too much if it's a close game. If we would blow them out, it could really hurt them. The point is this. We want them to solidify their net. Let's say get it down to 25. Why? So that when we beat them, it doesn't go above 30. Do you understand? Because if we go in there in the last game and beat Miami, yeah, we'll get a quad one win. But if we do it so handily that we drop their we drop their net down to 31 or worse, we'll lose again. We'll lose that quad one win again. We got from beating them at home. <laughs> you see? So it's really weird. This system, it's horrible. Look, do I like this crap? No. But I'm just talking about what matters to Pitt, seeding. You might want to just root against root against uh, Miami. It's simpler. But I'm talking about what's most important is that NCAA tournament. And I want a higher seed. And how are we going to get it? By stacking the quad one wins. How do we stack them? We make sure that Miami beats Florida State. And they do it in a way that they can lower their net to even 
25 or lower than 27, so that when we turn around the next week and beat them, their net is still below 30, at 30 or less. That way, we will have six quad one wins. Now, Miami, uh, Virginia, their net is 21. They're going in to North Carolina. I think they might also be playing Clemson at home or something. I forget. They're playing Clemson. They're going to North Carolina. I, I don't have their schedule in front of me. But here's the thing. We don't want Virginia to start tanking. We don't want Virginia to go, even though they're in front of us or whatever, we, we already have the tiebreaker against them. They're tied with us. If we went out, we'll be ahead of them in the uh, regular season. So if that matters to you, just win your games. You don't want to root against Virginia. Why? Because if they lose, their they're net's 21. They've got a ways to go to get above 30. But what if they would go into the tank and their net went above 30? We would lose a quad one win. They have to have a net of 30 or less for that win against them at home by Pitt to still be considered a quad one win. So let's just have them keep winning. We have the tiebreaker. Let's root for Pitt. We don't want these other teams to lose. We want them to stay up. We want their nets to stay high. It's good for us. We beat them. Do you understand? We beat them, so we want their nets to stay high. It keeps them as quad one wins. So don't root against them. It's just a dumb ACC regular season. And if we beat Miami again, we'll have the tiebreaker over both those teams. So if you want a regular season thing that, you know, if that gets your rocks off, <laughs> fine. We'll have it. We'll have it because we'll beat Miami twice and Virginia once. We'll have the regular season championship. Whoopee. The bottom line is we'll also have, if we root for them to win every other game that we're not playing them, we'll definitely have quad one wins. We'll have six of them. We'll, we'll likely have six of them going into that ACC tournament. Additionally, Clemson. You want to root for Clemson. Why? Because right now they're, they're, they're nets at 75, and that makes that loss to them at home by Pitt a quad two loss. They have a tough schedule. They have tough games coming up. It's possible Clemson could lose these games because they're quad one games they're playing and and still keep their net at 75. In fact, as we know, with the crazy, stupid net, maybe they'll lose one and their net will go down to 74, 73. But the point is, you should probably root, except when it's playing Virginia, when they're playing Virginia, if they are, you should probably root for Clemson and probably hope they win because you want to keep their net below 75, at 75 or below. Because again, when it comes time for the tournament to look at our final resume, if, if they stay at 75 or less, Clemson, that's a quad two loss, and it doesn't look bad. If it goes to 76 or worse, it's a quad three loss. And, you know, absent a loss uh, this weekend to Syracuse, absent a loss at Notre Dame, we won't have a quad three loss. Those are our only last two opportunities to have a horrible loss on our resume. Saturday against Syracuse, if we lose that, it would be a quad three loss. And then... When we go to Notre Dame, if we would lose that game, it would be a quad three loss. So we have to win those two games. But if we do that, and if Clemson can keep their net at 75 or less, Pitt will only have the one blemish on its resume, the one quad four loss, the Florida State. And that's what we want. We want that to get a higher seed. Why does it matter? Why do we care about these things? Because we want a higher seed. We want a higher seed because we don't want to play Alabama or Purdue right away to get to the Sweet 16, right? We want to last. We want to at least get past the first weekend. We want to get in the tournament and get a higher seed, and we want to get past the first weekend and make the Sweet 16, don't we? That would be really nice. So to me, root for Miami, root for Virginia, root for Pitt, and root for Clemson. Those, those are the things you should be rooting for. Root for Clemson, 
Virginia, Miami, and Pitt. And if you if all those things work out right, Pitt could end up with at least six quad one wins looking at the committee and only one bad loss. And that's very important, and that'll help us with our seeding. That's all. Just wanted to make those points. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day. I love you. Yabba da boop